0: Hello and welcome to the Feels Like Forty Five podcast. I'm your host, Cade Webb. As always, I'm joined by Dustin Ragusa, and for the second week in a row, we've got a special guest, and who some are calling the the brain trust of the Feels Like Forty Five podcast, <laughs> Alex Fuller. Welcome to the show,
1: guys. It is an absolute honor. I have begged, pleaded. <laughs> <laughs> and beg some more to be on this show and i just paid you guys so if you want to get on the feels like 45 podcasts just slip a little cash and now you're here just give yeah. us a little money it's that easy green talks man that's uh or just
2: a lot of compliments with yes that guy as
0: well. uh, which he's dished out many so so that's great stroked our ego uh rewarded us in cash so welcome to the show alex it's great to have you uh dustin i mean we've obviously talked about this like The feels like 45 pod name came from Alex. Like, so having you in the same room as us is, uh, is a little surreal. So it's, it's, it's great to have you, Alex.
2: Yeah. I got an autograph right before the show started. (laughs) Did he autograph
0: one of our uh, prototype shirts? Yeah. uh, He he just signed my face. Oh yeah. Oh, that's what that is. Okay. Got it. Got it. I already hate this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's not hate the rest of the conversation. Okay. Uh, this is, is going to be a fun episode again, Fuller. Great to have you on the show. Um, we are getting into a way too early depth chart preview for the Oklahoma State football team going into 2022. Uh, lots to get to. And, you know, I think we can start here. Um, before you can discuss a, a depth chart in 2022, you have to like talk about the obvious with eligibility from last year's COVID year to the transfer portal, which Oklahoma state probably is going to recruit heavily. So, I mean, why don't, why don't we start there fuller? I mean, I, I know you had had taken a look at some eligibility um, you know, who's coming back, who's even able to come back. So uh, maybe break that down for us while we, while we're on it.
1: Yeah. And this is how this whole idea for this podcast originated. I think it was, probably the first or second game, maybe the third game, me and Dustin were sitting there in Boone Pickens Stadium watching the game, and some of the backups were in, and we started talking about who's coming back next year, who can come back next year, the COVID rule, and all this stuff. And I feel like we kept having that conversation on repeat every other game because – It is confusing. And we started –
2: I mean, I started getting, like, frustrated. I was like – I wish there was somewhere that would just tell me so I don't have to look it up.
1: Yeah. I remember I was Googling articles and just figuring out is there someone that's smarter than us and came out with a list (laughs) and described everything? Yes. And there really wasn't a whole lot. There was an article here and there. But finally, I got off my butt and decided I'm actually going to put some research into this and read a little bit. So, (laughs) read up on the NCAA. COVID eligibility rule, which is pretty straightforward that any player on a team in 2020, um, 21 season, then it basically doesn't count. And they have another year of eligibility. And then what I found that was actually really helpful and kind of expedited my whole research process was, and so, you know, I'm not just making this up (laughs) on Oklahoma state's official website. If you go to the roster section and you look up the different players, there's actually a note and information for, of course, each player. But at the top, for any player that used their year of COVID eligibility, it says how one of six Cowboys seniors from 2020 who elected to stay and play an extra season following the NCAA eligibility ruling around COVID-19, basically saying that they're using this 2021 year. As that. yeah, As that, they wouldn't be allowed to. So those six guys are Malcolm Rodriguez, Christian Holmes, Devin Harper, Tay Martin, Logan Carter, and LD Brown. And as we talked about before earlier, this is where it gets a little gray and murky, and it's not just straightforward with everyone, where I think technically – LD can come back because he yeah. only played in three games this year and that's below the threshold for um, getting a medical redshirt allowed. Yeah. It, right. it sounds
2: like the Oklahoma State staff is pretty confident if he wants to come back, he could get the medical redshirt from what I've heard which yeah, checks I think, out.
0: I mean, he played he played 3 games. Did he even play a full third game though? I mean, it really was like two and a very small amount. Cuz I think yeah. he got hurt early on at Boise, but Warren was already the starting running back at that point. So Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And this is where the fun of a way, way too early 2022 yeah, right. roster <laughs> eligibility kind of comes into play. So what we didn't we'll tell the listeners,
0: what, what we didn't tell the listeners is we're, we're going to do six of these every month when, when, when something happens, <laughs> we're going to do six way too early depth chart. I uh, do previews, three again right, right in into head. the preseason. So, uh, no, th- that's the beauty of this is everything. Everything can change on a moment's notice.
1: Yeah, people are going to love that. Yeah, so (laughs) really engage the listener base. Yeah, like
2: and subscribe for that.
1: (laughs) So you have those six. And then there was one other notation in a player bio because I literally went through every one. Talk about a a fun time. I learned a lot and found (laughs) some nuggets, but I won't go through those. You can
2: tell he has a great social life.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Just inside of my room, looking at the Oklahoma State official roster. So the only other one was... Uh, Danny Godleski. And that just mentioned how he was a redshirt senior transfer from Miami, Ohio, but he was also using a year extra per the COVID rule. So in total, seven players, maybe LD Brown, but are not allowed to come back next year, exhausted their eligibility. And then the only other player that doesn't have eligibility left is Jalen Warren. And people are probably gonna ask, well. Why can't he use the COVID rule and have an extra year? So he played two years at junior college and then transferred to Utah State, played a year, and then he started to play in 2020, but he actually used a redshirt year in 2020. So the reason there's no notation about him using the COVID rule is because instead of that year, he actually redshirted that year. So technically, which he is didn't, strange. He, strange didn't use the COVID rule and then had his fourth year of eligibility in playing this year in twenty one. And honestly with Warren, I, I think no matter what,
2: he was probably leaving. I don't know how how you couldn't try to go to the NFL after the season he had. Just kind of yeah, coming out of nowhere. He's e- exploding
0: on the right scene, now. you know. Some reshuffling on the offensive line, as we're going to talk about later. Potentially a really strong candidate to have already chosen to enter the NFL draft. So
2: that's a great exactly. point there, Dustin. Yeah. So, I, I, I mean, Floyd, thanks for breaking that down, and I really appreciate you going through all that. And you know, I mean it because I would never tell you thank you for really anything else, <laughs> and I accept it. No. That was great. For our so, listeners,
0: Dustin and Fuller are in the same room. So I'm getting a full glimpse into the window of the dynamic between. He's actually sitting on my lap.
2: Yeah. Well, I left that part out. So <laughs> it's beautiful. So, okay. So now that we've gone through those guys that cannot come back, let's cover real quick. The guys who have announced they're going in the transfer portal. And remember these guys can come back. And there's actually been some mention that Jaden Jernigan may come back. Who's one of those guys, but it's probably not likely. So we've got Jaden Jernigan, defensive tackle, who was a major contributor on the defensive line, kind of, you know, Oklahoma state rotated in a bunch of guys in their defensive line, but they played a lot of snaps. Jernigan's entered on the offensive side of the ball. We have Hunter Anthony guard played quite a few snaps this year due to some injuries. Um, solid player. I think it, It hurts the offensive line depth there. It sounds like, I don't think it's been officially announced, but I know he took an official visit, or I don't know if it was official visit, but he took a visit up to Nebraska. It sounds like they're the main team pursuing him, and he probably will end up there. And then just announced today is running back Dez Jackson. Definitely a a blow to the running back depth, but with all the guys, with Ollie Gordon and CJ Brown coming in, with Jaden Nixon there, with Dominic Richardson, L.D. Brown possibly coming back. I just don't know. Somebody had to go in the running back room, and it sucks to lose Dez. He had some solid games at OSU, but he he's probably – I would assume he'd be one of the ones that's probably out the door. It's, it's not
0: – that one's interesting to me because it's like, yes, the depth takes a hit. It, he might, he might've ended up, you know, we've talked about the, the running back room specifically being an, an an area of need in the transfer portal. I mean, they go out and get somebody who's who's starting caliber and Des Jackson finds himself at the number three spot again. So don't blame him at all for doing that. And I mean, shoot, Ollie Gordon comes in or, or Dom Richardson seizes the moment and takes takes the starting job. It's like, yeah, I I can see why that's, that's ultimately where he landed. So
1: yeah i completely agree and before we move on from the transfer portal has it been going on for three years now is that it seems like it's been longer than that i mean
2: i honestly can't remember the yeah well i mean i can't remember so what else? i had
1: for, for breakfast this morning so yeah <laughs> i want to say three years i could be off but i have a point to this and i'd like to see a stat of major contributors for teams that leave and enter the transfer portal i feel like osu has to be on the low end of that which i think is a credit to gundy and he talks about the culture he's built and just the overall team i mean last year it was jelani woods and any other major contributors outside of outside of jelani and
2: jernigan i i don't know if i'm going to count des jackson because you know if warren doesn't go down he's probably not a major contributor right right those i think those are the only only two that stand out to me. I'm I'm sure we're that they've somebody, lost but, to the transfer portal. I mean I can't that, that were major lost. contributors. Yeah,
0: I can't think of any. I mean maybe maybe the listeners can
2: can chime in and correct us. I can't think of anybody. Jelani and Jernigan are the two that just come to my head. And Jern, I mean obviously Jernigan may... Well, and back, Jelani.
0: So. Let's. I mean. Can we be honest? Jelani was not a major loss at the time. Like to me, right? I think like, just snap. I don't think anybody, I, right. I don't think anybody was like, Oh my gosh, that's devastating. Like I think Jernigan might be, unless we're forgetting someone, the first one that was like, Oh crap. Like
2: that one, that one hurts. Yeah. I, he was I, what, Jelani all focused first team all big 12.
0: Yeah. I mean, Jelani really burst onto the scene when he got to UVA, it wasn't like a, he was a proven thing. And then went like, we even t- I think we talked about this maybe back when we were doing Cowboys Ride for free, like just his, his his struggles catching the ball. So anyway, I'm not not harping on Jelani. I just we've we've been lucky in that regard.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And people are sad to lose Jernigan if he leaves, but I think it is a testament to OSU because you see now some teams where it's two, three, four guys who are all I mean, starters would... or contributors and are
0: transferring. Yeah, people yeah. lose their starting quarterback. Which is wild. Quarterbacks are giving up their starting spot and, and going somewhere yeah. else. No, I mean, it,
2: that's a great point about that, Fuller.
0: And then, Fuller, you were, you were spot on. Uh, the college football. Uh, you coming for from my job? Is, you want this spot? You want this seat? <laughs> How much money? Yeah, you can take it. He's <laughs> <You> already got <laughs> the name. Uh, yeah, it is almost exactly three years old. So, so ver- very nice job. Um, okay. The official Deep statistician brain. and fact checker of the Feels Like 45 <laughs> pod so anyway the well brain let's
2: trust and the brain <laughs> feels like 45.
0: yeah that's that's pretty good we need to make you a burner just where you can fact check the pod that's pretty good <laughs> no, I, i'd be too dangerous with a burner, But <laughs> <laughs> all right well let's move on let's let's get let's get to the meat here on on the depth chart and i think obviously let's start on the offensive side of the ball and let's start with the obvious on the quarterback spot uh spencer sanders gonna start you see that going any differently
1: has to be spencer sanders unless yeah. something crazy unforeseen unknown happens spencer sanders and people will love it some people will hate it but it is what it is
0: yeah i i think most people most listeners of the podcast will will appreciate it um as, as you yeah i mean dustin's holding up the spencer sanders shirt he that nil money right there so <laughs> No, it's – I mean, it, to me, it's pretty cut and dry. You know, the, the Big 12 title leaves a bad taste in your mouth, but um, I think he's proven himself. And, I mean, this – shoot, this is going into his senior year. So, yeah, I think the job
2: is his to lose. So, Yeah, I think the thing is with Sanders is <laughs> you're obviously not – you're probably not going to just bring Rangel and start him, freshman quarterback coming in o- over an experienced guy like Sanders – You've obviously I I don't I can't see Illingworth jumping him. He hasn't already jumped him. Are you going to be able to find a transfer that's willing to come to OSU and play quarterback that's not only that much better than Sanders, but can be better enough to overcome the lack of experience they have in OSU's offense? That that's kind of where I'm at with Sanders.
0: yeah. Sorry, Dustin. I did mean to cut you off there. No, to, I, know,
2: I was, I was finished with the point to,
0: to me. You have areas of need that are more pressing. I mean, you went 11 and two last year. I mean, um, I, I don't know. And I mean, I, you can point to the big 12 title game, um, but shoot, I mean, they were, they were a half yard away from, from being in the playoff more than likely. So you're really going to make a change
2: at quarterback. Probably not. No, I can't see it. So. For backup, what I wanted to pose to you guys is any chance Ellingworth transfers? Do you see him transferring if if, if Sanders wins the job again?
0: I personally don't. I don't see him transferring. Number one, and I'm just now thinking about this for the first time, he seems solid in that backup role. It seems like that's the role he's owned it feels a little bit like taylor cornelius to me um like he he might be fine with that here's the other deal as a you know six foot six 230 pound quarterback that that really doesn't move all that well that doesn't mold well with most offenses today so you gotta wonder what his options would be really I mean, I'm sure there would be some that would take him, but um, yeah, I mean, it, he's a fit for Oklahoma state's offense, but how, how much elsewhere? I don't know.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. I think it depends on his mentality and who the kid, who the player is, is this a Tate Martel and someone who thinks they're the best in the world and it's going to transfer two times just because they think they should start wherever? I don't really get that. From Millingsworth, Not that we text or DM a whole lot, but <laughs> the only reason I say that is because just watching the Our Time documentary and videos last year, he just seems like a pretty easygoing, grounded guy. And I think he's, right now, at least it appears, he's fine with waiting his turn and is going to stay at OSU, would be my guess and my bet.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, I but-
0: well, let's not belabor it. Quarterback seems to be the most obvious spot on the roster to me. I will say we got to address one thing in that room. Dustin, you and I were correct, sir. It is pronounced Garrett Rangel. <laughs> Rangel.
1: <laughs> and yeah, you, screw
0: you, Lunt. Who confirmed that other than Garrett's mom? So shout out to Christy Rangel for listening to the Feels Like 45 pod. Really came in clutch because now we, we, we've got that. We got that win, so yeah. that's good. Yeah, so we're smarter than Lunt people (laughs) at this at least at names at pronunciation (laughs) maybe not x's and o's but uh okay i mean moving on to the running back room we already really kind of hit on this uh with with the transfer of des jackson um but on the starting spot to me it, it looks like dominic richardson's job to lose don't you think
2: yeah i agree i do you have anything different there fuller
1: yeah and when i put together my starters and two deep and was having my head spin more in excitement (laughs) just because there's some really good players coming in and they're already pretty deep at certain positions. I kind of also went with hopes and dreams and I really think not starter day one, but I think by the end of the season, Ollie Gordon could have a majority of the carries or be splitting them. I'm not going to say he had as many as justice Hill, His freshman year, because his true freshman year, I think it was a little over, Mm -hmm. but I think he's going to get over 100 carries, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's some conference game in October, and it's close in the second half, and Ollie Gordon's on fire that game, and they turn to him for the entire, I mean, that would not shock me, because you just watch his high school film, and just his measurables, he is D1 football ready, Yeah, he was
0: last year in his senior year. Like, he was ready to go.
2: And I think that's a perfect way to put it with Ollie Fuller because he's not – I believe – I haven't went back to my notes, but I don't believe he's enrolling early. So it would definitely be a type of guy who, you know, has to learn the offense a little bit, but we could see him maybe taking over some carries later in the season, just as Fuller said. I I know at this time, as backups go, I know Jaden Nixon is – running that two spot, I believe in the bowl practices right now, obviously Jalen Warren's not practicing as much. He's still recovering from the injury. So I know it's Dom. And then I believe that it's Jaden Nixon running the two from what I've heard. So I could see him competing there. If LD comes back, you know, obviously he's going to be in the mix. You've got, as Fuller mentioned, Ollie, you've got CJ Brown coming in, four-star guy out of bags, who we talked about in the last podcast with Lunt. So, that number two running back spot, I feel like is pretty up in the air. But to me, I feel like day one, game one, it's going to be dumb.
0: It seems like it to me. The interesting thing, the interesting twist to all this is what happens with LD Brown, right? I mean, if he's there. There's no need to take a, a a flyer in the transfer portal on anyone. You have two at right. that point, two really solid options, and then an Ollie Gordon who can come in and and steal the show at some point. Fuller, you you said that and I immediately thought of the way they turned to Chuba Hubbard in the second half of that bedlam game in 20. 20- Nineteen, I think that was mm-hmm. Corndogs Dogs' year. I know, I know, Justice was hurt, but they they were running the offense through Chuba. Uh, that was that was what I was envisioning right there. That was true freshman Chuba.
2: So that's a it's a great call out there. I be, I believe you're correct because I remember every second of Taylor Cornelius' year. So I can <laughs> well, constantly.
0: you and I we we only watch it religiously. So <laughs> long longing for the days. No, I mean Dustin, you want to run through uh, wide receivers and, and O line.
2: Yeah. So let's take, let's go through wide receivers. So Cade and I's first string. We're going to also, we're going to go through four. We know that's going to get us to 12 total players, but because Oklahoma State runs 10 personnel as well, we wanted to give four wide receivers as the starters. That's how they set up their depth chart as well, Oklahoma State that they released. So Cade and I have as our first string, we've got Jaden Bray and Blaine Green on the outsides. And then on the inside, we've got Brendan Presley and Brayden John
1: Fuller. So I have Jaden Bray, and I don't know if this is crazy talk or hyperbole, but I think he has the highest ceiling. Any wide receiver on OSU's roster or recruit coming in, highest ceiling. He kind of disappeared middle of the season, injuries, not as much playing time. But every time he caught the ball or just was engaged in the offense, I was just going, please just throw him the ball. (laughs) This guy, so much talent. So I have him starting. Brendan Presley, my only note for Brendan Presley is just, of course, of course he's going to start (laughs) next year. Green, would you say Bryson? Uh, Blaine. Blaine. So I think either or, I think it really depends on cowboy back. So I could honestly see either green starting at wide Mm -hmm. receiver and then my surprise special selection kind of out there, which who knows. And honestly, I would love it just because, of his injury past is Langston Anderson. Mm. And the only thing I've seen on Langston Anderson is 30 minutes of YouTube high school (laughs) videos, which I love. I mean, this guy's talented size, speed, more of a straight line runner, but, and who knows with all the injuries, if they've just piled up and he's not the same player he was in high school, but you would have to think if he's somewhat of that player, and not game, snap experience, but just in the program experience, knowing Gundy's mentality, he would love to start an older guy that's paid his dues. I I think
0: that's a great call out. And he's one he's one to circle because he was going to be a contributor this year. By all accounts, he, he may not have been a starter, but he was going to get on the field. So um, it's it would be interesting to imagine the offense with him out there because he's To me, he's unlike anybody that they've really got right now. Fuller definitely uh, think you're correct on on the straight line speed. Um, He's just a a more unique receiver than Oklahoma State's had in the past. I don't really know the best way to describe it, but – you know the one that I want to talk to you about, Dustin. Like, is is Bryson Green? Where did where does he fit in in all this with with Blaine Green, who has shown a lot, a lot of versatility? He's got to be on the field. The one that I I get interested in is is does he back up Blaine Green or or does he slide down the depth chart and and, and can't play? I thought he showed enough to me to yeah. to get in that second slot.
2: No, it's a great point and. I think on the depth chart all season, not that you should take you should take that depth chart they put out with a grain of salt, obviously. That's just sure. the media and everything. But I think they're listed at or on that for most games. I know Bryson had some injury issues early. I know he got banged up again later. But I loved what I saw from him. And I think it's almost a kind of what you said, maybe like a flip them back and forth. Maybe they kind of split snaps, especially if Blaine, as Fuller alluded to, doesn't move to the cowboy back position full time. I could see it being a Bryson and Blaine kind of switching off there. Yeah,
0: no doubt. I could too. I think Blaine definitely won that job over Bryson, but I, I I mean... Unless Talon Shetron comes in, which we got confirmation it's Talon. Is that correct? Yes. So, yes. Wait, all this post- heard that some interviews I watched on YouTube. They all said
2: Talon. So, yeah, I'm all this
1: post pod name confirmation. It's a good learning lesson. <laughs> but you guys are getting so much inside info from YouTube videos from players' moms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that one's not as significant as a player's mom reaching out and saying,
0: Hey, just so you know, it's this. No. Um, yeah. But anyway, like Shetron can come in and start. Like he's, yeah, I think he's that talented. So that position right there
2: is one that I'm like, that's, that was going to be fun to watch. I, I agree. And some of the guys I have on the cusp and forward, let me know if there's anybody I'm forgetting, but I, on ours, since I don't have Anderson starting, I have Langston Anderson, Caden and I have John Paul Richardson, Rashad Owens, Talon Shetran. And then some guys that are kind of even maybe the third string there, we've got Bryson Green, who we just talked about. Kale Cavanaugh, CJ Tate, who I know has been getting some more mm, yeah. practices and Braylon Presley. We haven't even mentioned yet. And then I believe Jonathan Shepard still has a year left. So there's a lot of guys in that wide receiver room. I would expect maybe somebody to transfer out. Is there anybody I'm forgetting? Is there anybody I just mentioned who you think besides Bryson Green, because we just talked about him in and Langston Anderson, any of those other guys either of you two think could really crack the first string
0: no I mean it's it's to me the one possibility would be you know Bryson Green taking Talon Chetrin and 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 showing something in camp I mean he's a big physical guy like Tracy Moore style receiver that they don't really have out there so he's one to watch Um, beyond that you know the one note that I have is is the injection of Braden Johnson potentially back into this roster that we didn't really talk about I mean that's a that's a big win if that if that's the case from what we've we've heard, we've read. There there is a chance that Brayden Johnson returns to the team next year. So I mean that's that's a that's an addition. And by default, somebody's gonna get bumped down the ladder. So it's yeah, interesting yeah, to see who that Gundy, is.
2: Knowing Gundy, if he comes back, he's probably If he doesn't start, he's going to get a lot of snaps. I mean, he
0: at that point would have been, I mean, he'd be a red shirt senior gotta be, I mean, so definitely would, would have the inside track there. So no, I think, I think that's great. Dustin spot on.
1: What's pretty wild and pretty interesting is going back to last year and me and Dustin were at the Boise state away game when they didn't have enough wide receivers to (laughs) (laughs) OSU intramural team. And yeah, people were just injured and getting hurt during that game. And then now it seems like the well is just completely full. Isn't that wild?
2: I mean Yeah, it it's it's strange to think about that, like like for said to look back on that. And I think the one thing, and Kate, not sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you if you're making a point on that, but I think the one thing on this wide receiver crew that stands out to me is somebody's gonna have to step up and be the guy. Yeah, the Tay Martin. The Tylen Wallace, the James Washington, somebody's going to have to break out, and I think I'm with Fuller. I like that to be Jaden Bray. He just does every. Uh, his blocking, he's the best blocking receiver on the team as well. Best they've so, had in a while. Well, along with everything Fuller mentioned. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think somebody's got to step up, and I think I'm on the same page as Fuller. I think it's Bray. You, th- you think they give him the reins
0: that early? You think they trust him that early to step into that spot? I mean, that's a high-volume position in this offense.
2: I think that's a great point. I think it's going to have to be a gradual thing. But if they don't get somebody in the transfer portal that can kind of kind of plug and play like they've done with the Tay Martins and some of these guys, the Tyron Johnsons, I think it's going to – I think one of these guys is going to have to step up because yeah. I think you need that go-to guy. No, I, I, Sanders needs that go-to guy.
0: S- Sanders absolutely does, because we saw at times when when Martin was out, Sanders looks a little more uncomfortable, doesn't doesn't have that first read to go to and then has to look around the field. And that's when things tend to get a little uh, haywire. So I will that that is a storyline I'm looking for is do they go find Mr. Transfer Portal, you know, 1200 yard transfer, plug him into the system and and get Spencer a go to guy in his last year.
1: That's my question. Yeah. So I just looked and Bray had 387 snaps last year Sheesh. quite a few for a freshman. And I think it's give or take as much as Gundy, you could just tell was in pain starting these <laughs> freshmen at wide receiver. He talked about it after every game. Yes. Every game it was, we're starting a guy who can barely walk. Yeah, just, yeah, they, yeah. they were describing him as, as a baby, as a literal yes. toddler. <laughs> sometimes I don't think Gundy fully understands that some freshmen can be really, really good. So as much as he hated that last year, now on the flip side this year, that's got to give him so much confidence in these guys coming back, which is going to be huge for next year because normally in Gundy's system and his philosophy, these guys would have played the Kansas game, maybe one other game and not have near the experience. So I, I think that's it. something to look for. I love it. Any thoughts on the wide receiver right. room before we move on to uh, offensive line?
2: I think I'm good for you. Good. Good. All right. So Caden I's first string and to preface offensive line, all three of us think there we're going to see more guys in the portal, probably depth guy, buddy that we saw get a lot of snaps and just so much movement. We'll talk about it, but there's multiple guys competing for multiple spots. So I just want to preface this saying: I could be completely wrong. <laughs> Maybe very dumb, but this that should is, be the disclaimer before. Cade, into <laughs> yeah, that should be the disclaimer before we start any episode. Right? Yes, exactly. This is what I talked Cade into, <laughs> so I don't want Cade to take me the blame on any of this. So we've got. We've got Cole Birmingham at left tackle. We've got Tyrese Williams at left guard. We've got Preston Wilson at center. We've got Hunter Woodard at right guard and Caleb Etienne at right tackle. Fuller?
1: I'm scared. And I want to preface this by saying I don't care what Adam Lunt says. (laughs) And I'm sure he'll say some mean, hateful comments on Twitter and other places. But it is such a crapshoot right now. And I think I mentioned this earlier, but putting together this starting lineup list, probably 25% of it was me just hoping and dreaming (laughs) and kind of what I would like to see. So left tackle, I have Weber just thinking, hopefully he's the best tackle we've ever had at OSU. I like that. Scoot over Russell Acoon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Keep your expectations yeah. low. I like that. So he's starting day one and he's gonna be an all-American for two years. And then I actually have Birmingham at left guard. Back to his roots. He played right guard versus Tulsa in 2020. And then he played left guard versus Miami in the bowl game. And Lunt, correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, he did a serviceable job playing tackle this past year. I think he's just more of a guard. I remember you guys have mentioned on previous podcasts and some other places I look where he just doesn't handle speed that great. And I think he might be a great fit for guard next year. If it all comes together, like my hopes and fantasies then at center. And this is me not knowing anything and seeing any practices, but I have Joe Mahalski And my only reason is because he's the only one on the roster that I've actually seen snap the ball for the quarterback (laughs) for the roster next year. Other than that, I have no idea. So it could be anyone. I've seen him snap the ball. He can snap it. And that's who I'm going with literally amazing analysis Yeah, at center. I've seen him snap it. He can snap (laughs) it. He's playing center for us next year. Yes. I need to drop an us. So yeah. Right guard. (laughs) This isn't us. This is a we yeah, us podcast. Yes, the the, the, mean, the name is feels like
0: 45 Pond. Like,
1: <laughs> come on. So, moving on to right guard, I have Woodard. I think that's pretty established. I will say he is going to be a redshirt senior next year, right? So, oh, I didn't even know that. Is that right? I think, I think, I actually think you're right. So, possibly could go to the NFL people aren't projecting that but just something to point out we've seen crazier stuff he he will be a redshirt senior again Alex fact checker man fuller I don't want to put a number on the hours that I did of research for (laughs) this podcast but it is triple digits they're not billable so let's just
0: get
2: that
1: let's just make (laughs) that clear yes they are not billable yeah I'm not sending the invoice yeah and then I made him even bring his own beer over (laughs) No handouts here. No, none. We need some more sponsors <laughs> if you're out there listening. So then right tackle, I have Caleb Etienne. And God, I mean, who knows? Has the size, physical tools. Was it three games I think he played last I, year? I, I believe he got really close to yeah. the red
2: redshirt limit.
1: So – We saw him a couple times, and he was playing left tackle Mm -hmm. last year. So this is, once again, me not knowing a whole lot about offensive line, but just hopes and dreams where Weber's the greatest ever. ETN comes into his own, scoots over to right tackle, and we have an awesome O-line. I love it.
0: I'm interested in, in those two spots. I've already said that interior offensive line is a, is a strong transfer portal candidate. I don't know where they would look um, other than interior left guard center, right guard. I, somebody's going to need to get slotted in there because I mean, you're looking at Hunter Woodard, Preston Wilson, Tyrese Williams, all have played a lot of football None together in those positions. I just wonder if there's somebody out there in the transfer portal who could come anchor that group, and then the hope is Tyrone Weber and Caleb Etienne slot in at the tackle spot, and you put together what is a really really solid offensive line with two mammoth tackles. That would be the ideal scenario. You you slot in like a Danny Godlewski to me because it appears that center could be a, a position of weakness slot in an anchor there. And then, and then you can maybe shore up some of the deficiencies at guard. So anyway, that's, that's kind of the way I see the offensive line. I like Weber starting over Birmingham, but Birmingham has played a lot. I, that wouldn't shock me to see him slotted in at one of those, one of those tackle spots, because again, if Weber wins it or if ETN wins it on the left side, whoever is does comes in second is going to
2: the right side as, as you kind of alluded to Dustin. So. That's the way I see it. No, I I completely agree with that. I think that tackle spot, that left tackle spot is a battle between Birmingham, Weber, and Etienne. And I think whoever comes in second becomes right tackle. And I think whoever comes in third is obviously probably the backup left tackle. And then I think you saw it in Jake Springfield, who who got some run at left tackle this year as the backup right tackle. And just kind of going back to the interior, and Kate, great points there about the transfer portal. Fuller hit on uh, Mahalski. Cause that's the only guy he's seen take snaps there. <laughs> so the only reason I have Wilson there is because the practice that I went to last year, Wilson was taking snaps at center. And just from what I've heard, it sounds like they maybe want to go back to him unless like, like both of you alluded to go to the, they go to the transfer portal. So I could just see Wilson since he has so much experience and he has played on the line, they have been able to move him around. They obviously think he's talented, and if they think he can play center, I would assume they would put him over Mahalski just because he needs to be on the line somewhere. I think just because he's, he's a very technical lineman. He lacks a little bit in the strength area and, but he seems like a guy who could take, who could snap the ball, who can call out the offensive line coverages and be pretty comfortable with that because he looked, all the film I've seen on him has been a lot of really technical, technique work. He's just a good, smart offensive lineman. I would love that. That that would be the ideal scenario
0: is somebody already in that room is ready to go at center. We just haven't seen it, you know. I mean, Maholski played well. I'm not even throwing yeah. him under the bus. He did fine. It's just you know, you've got, you're have got you bringing a senior quarterback back. You're bringing a loaded wide receiver group and a veteran defense back. You can make another run at this. So you really need to take a close look. And if center is not something you feel good about, then that's probably a, an area for transfer portal. But as you're saying, if they've got somebody, then that's great. That's fantastic. You can use that slot somewhere else.
1: Yeah. Yeah, my last point on offensive line is, I think I speak for all OSU fans and really all I can ask for is just, hopefully let's not play musical offensive line mm. in chairs in the first three, four games. It is so, I don't even know what the word is confusing where that offensive line, and I know there was injuries and all that, but so many different shifts people moving around and then all of a sudden they're amazing and really, 100%. really good for the middle of the season. Then had some injuries towards the end and didn't produce like they were, but, that beginning of the season, it was, it just was confusing. Yeah. That's what I thought after every game was, why is this guy here, this guy here? And then the next thing, you know, they're switching positions again and it somewhat comes together and they start playing really well. And you just got to ask yourself, why could we not figure this out through summer two a days and the beginning of the season? But yeah, wow. Yeah, I don't know I don't know how all that works. I just think it's happened so many times with o s u football where it takes at least three games four games one hundred percent to solidify that offensive line.
0: Well, and then the talking heads go nuts. Oklahoma State still doesn't have an offensive line, and they tip <laughs> they typically end up having a pretty decent offensive
2: line so well, and it confuses me because all their numbers are like kind of similar. They're in the sixties <laughs> <60s> and seventies <70s. laughs> I so do. I get a little confused about that. But I did want to, my last point on the offensive line, I promise I'm done, is I think Cade Bennett could make a real run at one, starting at one of the guard spots. We haven't seen him a lot. He got in a few snaps this year. He's one of those guys who Cade and I love. We talk about them on the defensive line, but he's one of the strongest people I've ever seen in my life. So I like when they get the strength out there. It looks like he could rip somebody's body in half. So – I'm, I'm all about that. That's what I like. Strong first line. name too. Strong yes. first name. Yes. Great first name. So and, oh, I and, wish it was Dustin, but Kate and,
0: and well. young guy too, would only be mm-hmm. a red shirt sophomore going into the next year. So uh, yeah, something to keep an eye on. Okay. Moving on to wrap up the offense, our, our favorite position group, your favorite position group, the cowboy back. <laughs> we got to We got to talk about the cowboy back, right?
2: Cause Logan Carter yeah. on the way out. What, what's going on here? I think it's I think it's Braden Cassidy gets the starting spot. I, I don't know if you can go with anybody else. He he performed well. He caught a couple of balls. He showed that he was probably the best blocking cowboy back, even over Carter. Maybe I, Silas Barr gets a nod in that, but he converted offensive lineman who apparently now at the bowl practices is back to offensive line. But I think it's got to be Cassidy.
0: Well, I uh, I remember when Cassidy went down. That was in the Texas game, wasn't it? And Police, yeah. I believe you texted me and said something along the lines of if he's out for a long time, that's not good. And the running game did suffer. Like it wasn't as good. So uh, definitely interesting to keep an eye on, but I think it's, I think it's Cassidy or,
1: or bust. So. Yeah. My first question on cowboy back is it always going to be called cowboy back moving forward? I
2: I mean, Mac made up the name, so I think as long as he's the coach of the cowboy backs, I'm assuming they'd be. I think him and what, Dundee made Fuller, up, what, right? What are you
0: what are you suggesting? I mean, surely you got something locked in the chamber there.
1: No, I, I wish I did. I wish I had a whole list. <laughs> you got like a you got like an inventive name, like yeah, like floating Ro-
0: <laughs> floating rove hybrid blocker, or what were you thinking? Ooh, <laughs> that's I a like little
1: that. long,
2: but that's too many words, I
1: like it. <laughs> I just think it, it sounds so cool cowboy back and maybe it's a recruiting tool but sure. at some point when it's not that cool and they're just basically offensive linemen grunt guys then i just don't feel like you can call it cowboy back anymore that's yeah. my personal opinion but you're right i think it has to be cassidy one thing that's dustin and i have talked about i think it's been at bars before and over drinks is almost different packages when they started using blaine green at Cowboy back is you have two types of Cowboy back you have your blocker and more heavy duty Cowboy back but then you have your dynamic Cowboy back with Blaine Green and you mix and match those guys they were doing that in I can't remember what game it was the the
2: second game Carter came back because he played like nine snaps and then he came back And they were going Carter and Blaine Green, and I loved everything that was going on. Oh, was that TCU? I was
1: thinking TCU, yeah. I think it was TCU. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off for but I loved that. No, we talked about the play whenever Green ran that pretty much just a post middle of the field for a touchdown, and he was in the cowboy back position. Mm -hmm. And I just think it'd be such a great wrinkle, be more dynamic for the offense now, don't get me wrong, whenever they were running the ball good and there was plays where it was Cassidy and probably Silas Barr and there were even Logan Carter in Cassidy and they were blocking well, that's great. But I just think it adds a whole other element if you can have some type of cowboy back who's going to have more than 15 catches on the season. Yeah,
0: yeah it adds another element to the offense. So it'll be interesting. I think at this point <laughs> – the cowboy back seems like the cowboy back. It seems like we know what we're going to get in terms of receiving, but it's an, it's a crucial part of the way this offense is set up. That split zone is so important and having somebody that can seal the edges is is vital. So guys, any final thoughts on the offensive side of the the ball for this depth chart for the upcoming season?
2: I mean, backup cowboy back, you've got Quentin Stewart, Austin Gerrard, you got Taby Shetran coming in. I think, any of those guys could make a play. I, I don't, I don't think it's worth breaking any of them down because we haven't really seen them. Nope. Haven't.
0: No, nope. But we, we, we could potentially. So something to keep an eye on. Silas bar is one that I, I just kind of circle. I'm like, what, what could he do? So um, anyway, we've already broken down the offensive side of the ball. Let's move on to the defensive side, really the unit, uh, the side of the ball that carried the weight for this, this football team in 2021, Brings back a lot of production. Some some very key players missing uh, in 2022, but still bringing back a lot of veterans, a lot of high impact players that um, you know Dustin could potentially shore up some some different uh, areas on the field that maybe are lacking. So I mean, to me, let's start on the defensive line because it seems like that's where most of the talent returns, most of the production returns. Uh, you know, there's obviously a lot on the back end. We'll get to that. But on the defensive line, let's let's just start there.
2: Yeah. And I know all these guys, not some of these guys haven't said for sure that they're coming back, but if they do, there's still maybes right now. I think this is the defensive line. It's Martin Evers, Antoine Lacy. Yeah. Any any disagreement there?
1: No, I think if everyone comes back, then that's the defensive line. My only thing, and this is me getting a little weird and going to take you on a wild, wet, crazy big big kahuna, whitewater (laughs) bay ride. That's a reference to all the Oklahoma City. Yeah. Shout out, shout out, OKC 2010. Yeah. Let's get, (laughs) let's get wet, wild, and weird for one second. But it's a new segment.
0: (laughs) Oh, yes.
1: (laughs) Yes. New segment. If Evers does leave, or Evers or Israel leave, which I don't think it's crazy to say that, because Evers hasn't officially announced that he's coming back, right? Yeah, I Neither mean, they, these
2: are – you're talking about Caden I's, like, two favorite players, so we think that could go. Yeah.
1: Yes, so I preface my D-line by saying Evers is leaving, and I have D-tackle, Antwine, and then – this is where it gets weird, but I also have D-tackle at Lacey. Now he paid a lot of DN main position, but there was also times, numerous times in games where he was playing zero tech, one mm-hmm. tech, lining over the center. They did rest in peace, a crazy Jim Knowles defense where Lacey would be D tackle over the center, and then way out wide, they would have Colin and Brock Martin. So I don't know if he would consistently play that, but I just have a hard time not having Colin Oliver on the field. So I have Lacey and I think Antoine too. He played so well last year and just clogged up the middle, took on blockers. And I know your boy is Evers, Cade. And before we, gosh, now we're just having memories right now. (laughs) Breaking down into tears a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's hard to talk <laughs> about the D-line and not get emotional. I know. I don't, I don't want to sound blasphemous here, but there is no season that Malcolm Rodriguez and Devin Harper had this year without Tyler Lacey and Evers and Antoine. Oh, for sure. I mean, amazing seasons, but it just wouldn't have happened without those guys. You go back and watch a couple of games where they're just eating up multiple offensive linemen. Yeah. It's incredible. It makes so, the
0: linebacker job much easier coming down and, and run in the run game.
1: So, great point. Not, not saying they wouldn't have had good years, but you just watch those guys, and we just haven't had that a whole lot at Oklahoma State. And it was amazing to see this year. So, this is my weird, wet and wild D line, but I have them two at D tackle kind of moving Lacey in. Maybe he can put on the weight. He has a pretty big frame. And then I have Brock Martin still in there. I don't know how much weight Dust and I have talked where he's an old man now. He's a dinosaur. He can really put on, I think he's 245. He doesn't really play with his hand down, down lineman in the dirt very much, but somehow if it was him and Colin Oliver on the same, you're field, standing at all times or like most of the time, a majority, majority of the, snaps, of the time. Yeah. I just don't know how that would really work out, but you got to have Colin Oliver on the field more next year. You needed play. him on the field more in the Big 12 Championship game, but was, we don't need to go there. I was about to say, this is the first time I'm going to – But I don't Sons mean to Sunday. bring it up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you teed me up. Yeah. And <laughs> Colin Oliver played 21 plays in the Big 12 Championship, and he was the best player on the field that game. And I just can't have him – I know we're doing starters, and, of course, other guys rotate in and can have more snaps, but – there's got to be a way where just packages with Colin Oliver and Brock Martin on the field more. And one thing Dustin and I kept talking about beginning of the season when Oliver kept playing more and more that we were worried about because Gundy thinks freshmen just can't do it. But we thought OSU was going to get gashed in the run game. As great as Oliver was and all of his attributes and what he does, he's so special at in rushing, rushing the passer and getting in the backfield. We thought, just him being freshman, undersized that they would get killed in the run game. Whenever he was in, it just didn't happen. No, 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 it just really did it, which is amazing. Looking at
0: the, this depth chart too. I I wonder where a guy like trace Ford, you know, fits in. It's like, do they go to a 64 package as their, (laughs) as their
2: primary defense? Yeah. I mean, Uh, I mean, trust your back. That's what I was going to ask you. So Can you put some more – so, Trace Ford, we're hoping he comes back as the same Trace Ford, but both knees with those type of injuries, you're thinking he's probably lost some explosiveness. Got to think. It's just just an assumption we're going to make. So, do you think he could put on – I think they list him at 260, 245. Is it 245? Do you think he could get up close to 265, 270 and play the Tyler Lacey role? I'm going to cut kid off and say yes. <laughs> so the I like that him and Tyler Lacey switching out at that. It, this is obviously I love I love where Fuller's head was at, but if they keep kind of what they were doing this year, switching out Martin and Oliver, do you think it could be a Lacey Ford switch at the hand in the ground defensive end? So so ESPN has Trace Ford at 6'3", 240.
0: I mean two forty. 20, okay, twenty five pounds in the off season on a bum ACL. I don't see it. I, I wonder, though, can they float him around a little bit? I mean, Jim Knoll's defense love to do some of that stand-up stuff. Do they get a little more exotic in their blitz packages? Are, are there packages where there's Trace Ford Colin Oliver Brock Martin on the field at the same time, and then you've got one down lineman or zero? Like They're going to have to get creative because there's go- there has to be moments in time where Trace Ford, Oliver, Martin – are on the field at the same time because you look at the tape of those guys individually, it's, it's unbelievable enough, but together, you would have to believe that offensive coordinators would get a little bit nervous about their ability to just block that straight line speed from from that defensive front. So I don't know what they're going to do. I get, I don't, I mean, I would love it if if they could get Ford big enough to play that Tyler Lacey role, because I think he would, would do a great job. I think Oliver is more of a, you know, true pass rusher. I think it's no knock on Ford, but Oliver is like a 15 sack in the NFL kind of guy. Like he's like a Micah Parsons. So How how does Ford fit in coming off the injury is is a huge, huge storyline. Because it can change the defense.
2: Yeah. And, okay, so let me give you, before we move from defensive line, let me give you guys some guys that are on our second string, our third string, and you tell me who you think could possibly be a big contributor this year. So we've got Colin Clay coming back from injury. We've got Sionia C if he comes back. We've got Tyron Irby. We've got Aiden Kelly, who I've heard's making moves at the uh, bowl practices. We've got Fuller's, Fuller's favorite player, Ben Kapinski. We've got Xavier Ross. We've got uh, Tawahulamaka. We've got Nathan Latu. And we've got Cody Walterscheid.
1: Who do you right.
2: So Walt, Walterscheid, Irby, Kapinski. early on when there were some injuries, those guys were all pretty big contributors. Obviously, Sioni. Anybody else stick out? Do you think an Aiden Kelly could come in? A Xavier Ross, who we haven't really seen. Well, that's where I was headed. High school, so
0: that's where I was headed was Xavier Ross. Haven't seen much at all with him. I mean, he's already a redshirt sophomore. He'll be a redshirt junior going into next year. That's wild. Uh, (laughs) granted, it's been a very deep position group for a long time. But I mean, does it Aiden Kelly, who's going to be a at at this point in time next year a redshirt freshman, does he get the nod to to try to build some of that depth early on, even though he may not be as ready right then? But get him going, get him some game reps. I, I, Aiden Kelly's a a big one because he's you know homegrown kid from uh, Oklahoma, small town. I can't remember the exact name. Um, it's it's that small. But um, I, I'm interested in those two guys because behind behind Antoine and Evers it gets a little foggy for me. Colin Clay, I mean, he's torn both ACLs if I'm not mistaken, right? So it gets a little bit dicey at that backup defensive tackle spot.
1: Yeah. And this is such an amazing conversation to have as an (laughs) Oklahoma State fan. Yeah, All this mixing and matching with great defensive linemen that you can use and do different things with. I tweeted this out a month or two ago. I'm going to shout out my own self because i'll be the first to criticize myself but also <laughs> if someone needs a compliment i'll make sure i get a compliment but i'll never forget this it was 2009 and that would have been bill young uh yeah right around so. there yeah yeah because yeah, i think bill young was before glenn spencer yeah anyways 2009 going into Big game versus Texas on the road. Number seven, OSU. Number one, Texas. And I'll never forget they flashed a graphic and stat up during the game that OSU had four sacks through seven games. As in one, two, three, four, you don't even need to use your thumb.
0: All right, guys, listen up. Sponsor on the podcast, Homefield Apparel, is absolutely crushing it. If you haven't checked them out yet, you absolutely need to. I mean, they are leading the charge in premium vintage coll- collegiate apparel right now. Uh, I mean, they are offering vintage college sports t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies with over a hundred schools available. and I mean, they're adding new ones all the time. I'm sitting here looking at their uh, main uh, page right now. I see this vintage University of Connecticut Huskies shirt. I mean, I'm, I lived in Connecticut for a few years. I might need to, to spring for that or or at least put it on my Christmas list, right? I mean, Christmas right around the corner. Um, I mean, if you use our promo code FEELS12, you're going to get 15% off your first order. So with us being right next to the holidays, this is the perfect gift. Uh, home Field Apparel for the sports fan, for the college sports fan. You got to go check them out and use our promo code FEELS12 to get 15% off your first order. And of course, all orders over $100 get free shipping as always. Promo code FEELS12, 15% off your first order, and all orders over $100 get free shipping at Homefield Apparel. Visit them at homefieldapparel.com. It's a great point. You said uh, just a little while ago how ridiculous it is that we're having this conversation as Oklahoma State fans. I, I remember very vividly as, as a child, like screaming for, for pressure on the quarterback, just to no avail. Anything I did, it, it, nothing ever happened. So uh, to talk about this defensive line as, as what it is, is, is pretty astounding. And we're talking about the backup defensive tackle. We're not even talking about the starting unit because the starting unit is already such a surefire thing. So it's a great point. It's come a long way.
2: Yeah, I think, I think really the last thought that I have on the defensive line is if Colin Clay gets a sack, and then they just put Warren Clay on the big screen doing the OSU. His little oh, brother. I didn't even think about that. That's what I want and need. But, yeah, that, that's my final just, like, hardcore analysis.
0: You forget so Warren is the mine. brother
2: of a football player
0: because Warren is
2: <laughs> kind of a bigger
0: deal. No offense, to Colin, of Clay. Thing. No offense yeah. to Colin Clay, great football player, but your brother's, like, next to T. Boone Pickens, Barry Sanders, Mike Gundy. I mean, he's, like, right <laughs> there. So – now, anyway, let's let's move on to linebacker. A fascinating position group on this defense because replacing Devin Harper, replacing Malcolm Rodriguez—I mean, just historic production at that point at that position. And I mean, we've got you know five that we think, Dustin, that that could contribute going forward.
2: Yeah, and we had uh, a question from Brian Metcalf at Brian J Metcalf. Brian always sends us great questions. He asked what our weakest position group going into 2022 is. I don't know if this is the weakest, but I think it's the biggest question mark just because you're losing two of the anchors to your defense. We've already talked about Devin Harper and Malcolm Rodriguez. I think both Fuller, myself, and UK think there's five guys, like you just said, that are going to kind of compete for this spot. And those guys are... Mason Cobb and Lamont Bishop and then at the more kind of outside spot at the Devin Harper spot and at the more kind of outside weak side linebacker spot Xavier Benson Nick Martin and then Cameron Farrar is probably going to be somewhere in the mix and those are the five that I think really compete for this spot and I'm not really sure who's the day one starter out of those guys I If I had to put money on one of the five being one of the two starters, I think I would go with Cobb just because we saw him the most, I think as a second string. So he's where I would go. But other than that, I'm really not sure. Yeah. I mean, to me,
0: Benson seems like the most surefire deal because he's coming out of junior college. You know what you're going to get. Cobb has played a lot though. I mean, and he played in some big moments. He was out there in that final series against OU. Um, at at times so I mean big big moments for him and um, have heard great things so I I think between Cobb Lamont Bishop Cameron Farrar like you said I think they've got some talent there they've got some depth it's just like we just haven't seen it so it's got to happen I've said also linebacker is a prime candidate just like I I feel the same way about this as I feel about interior offensive line I think you've got talent there I think you've got Production? Do you want to chance it on? On I think though, I mean, and the coaches know it better than I do. So I mean, hundred percent, they're going to
1: make that decision. But um, it's a huge question mark. So we'll see. And my only comment on linebacker is Benson falls into my Weber category yeah. of just plugging in him and starting him and just saying he's going to be the best ever. Hopefully. <laughs> By watching some highlights, but he really did look good. He's good. He's, he's All okay. I mean, wrapping up the linebacker spot, no doubt
0: about it. It's a fascinating position, uh, group to, to be following in the offseason, whether they hit the portal or not. Um, that's going to be a key storyline. So we'll be interesting to look at and, you know, really wrapping up the defensive side of the football. Moving on to the secondary. I mean, also along with the defensive line. A wealth of talent, a wealth of experience, um, and a lot coming back. Some key contributors: Colby Harvell, Peel, namely not coming back. It doesn't appear, but again, some returning talent and and production. So, Dustin, I mean, why don't you take us through what you have on, on starting on that side of the ball?
2: Yeah, like you just mentioned, Harvell, Peel, and Fuller mentioned at the end of the podcast. Christian Holmes. If everybody else comes back again, some of these guys haven't said they are, but they haven't said they aren't. I think it looks like this. I think it's Bernard Converse at one corner, Corey Black at the other. You've got Tanner McAllister, Trey Sterling, and Jason Taylor. That's who I see out there. I know Fuller has a little bit different starting defensive backfield.
1: So I'll go over mine, and I want to apologize to Christian Holmes, first and foremost, because – (laughs) That was one of my biggest concerns on the whole roster going into this season because he was battling for that other corner spot in preseason camp and um, fall camp and all that. And I honestly think he turned out to be one of the best all-around corners Gundy has ever had. I can't remember – because you remember in 2020 – there was a couple of times he get in there, have a good play or two, and there was a blown coverage. And maybe it was just being a transfer and not knowing Jim Knoll's system and all that. But then this year in uh, coverage, just tackling, he was one of the best tackling. They stopped throwing at him. Yeah, yeah. they just didn't throw at him. So, so physical. If you look at his stats, they're really not there as far as pass breakups, deflections, interceptions, all that. But he just never got picked on or through at consistently. So, and I was a little bit surprised that he wasn't first team, yeah. to be honest with you. He, so... No, I'm sorry,
0: Fuller, go ahead. I, I didn't mean to cut you off at all.
1: No, so it's going to be tough losing him, but a little different than linebacker is, I think we do have some depth at cornerback. And it'll be interesting to see if Bernard Converse comes back, because I think people are expecting it. But then again... This guy was first team, all but 12. Yeah, he's been there forever too. Yeah, and he's had a lot on film. So I think he could get better, but he's already put a lot on film and who knows if he wants to test the waters and go for it. But if he stays around, it has to be him, of course. And then I agree with Dustin. I'm going with Corey Black, but also it wouldn't surprise me at all if Muhammad's starting there. I thought both of them for the action they saw last year was all around pretty good. I'm just going with Black because he's a little bigger, a little rangier, so I'm thinking it could be him.
0: Well, special teams all-star, too. I mean, Corey Black yeah, yes. really uh, came on late in the year, did, did some great things on, on defense, but, like, special teams all-star as well. So, interesting to see where he fits, and, again, it's like – If one guy comes back, it's almost like the same conversation with L.D. Brown. Like if L.D. Brown comes back, the conversation about running back gets different. The same way Jarek Bernard-Converse coming back changes the conversations about the cornerbacks. Because then all of a sudden the depth looks a little bit different, right? You don't have Corey Black and Jabbar Muhammad on opposite sides of the field. You probably have have one of them backing up the other and then a DeMarco Jones backing up Jarek Bernard-Converse or or any combination where – now you've got three guys that you're you're rotating, and then you know potentially a transfer portal addition. I mean, there there's a possibility there too. So, I like uh, the idea of Jared Bernard Converse coming back, but I I liked what I saw with with Black and Muhammad. I think they looked really good.
2: Yeah,
1: I agree. Who who did you have at safety? So safety, I had fun with this one too because last year and. I was saying this in the summer in July, bored, drinking, sitting around, just waiting for football (laughs) to start. But I was saying last year, I think it was Gundy's most talented, deepest D-line. This was with Trace Ford. And even after he got hurt, it was still the most talented, best D-line I think Gundy's ever had. I think this year could be his best, deepest safety group he's ever had. And that might sound absurd because Colby Harville peels leaving. We're assuming because he has another year of eligibility, but with COVID, but he was third team all American and put up numbers. So assuming he leaves, I have Kendall Daniels, just because I think it's more, I want to see him play <laughs> so much. I don't even care if he's good anymore. It's just, just get the hype. Four-star, top 100 player in the nation, best player in Oklahoma. Tall, physical. I just want to see him in in there. So I have him, and then some really good experience with Jason Taylor. Who, as much as I like to give myself compliments and hype myself off, uh, hype myself up. I told Dustin sometime this summer that I think I posed a question can Jason Taylor put on weights and move to linebacker? That was a serious question I asked. <laughs> Probably doesn't seem too smart. And the only reason I said that was, remember the scoop and score he had versus Kansas oh, yeah. State? Oh, yeah. Which he's a playmaker. The ball always finds him. And he could have just been coasting because he knew he was in the end zone. I thought he looked so slow. <laughs> that one play. And I judge all of my expert analysis off of one play. Yeah, especially one one snap mm-hmm. judgment, and that's what you have going for. Yeah. <laughs> and it's stuck in my brain forever. So <laughs> shout out to Jason Taylor the second for being way faster than I thought he was after that one play. Cause I thought he was great all around this year, too. Oh yeah. And coming in too, just Trey Sterling getting hurt and pretty much filling that void seamlessly. I think that's a huge storyline that gets overlooked by some OSU fans where you lose Trey Sterling, who should have been first team all big 12 last year, lose him. And there's not a drop off at all, really with Jason Taylor. So I have him in the other safety position. And in the last one, I have Trey Sterling and I'm assuming he's coming back and Peel's gone. And my only concern with this group of three safeties is somewhat coverage because we don't know about Kendall Daniels. I think he's more physical. Maybe he can be a good cover safety in the future, but I think Trey Sterling has always been, especially that last year that he was fully healthy, the pick six versus Texas tech and just overall that season, he was pretty good in coverage. So I think he could be more of your cover safety out of that group. And, Dustin's going to talk about all the guys behind them, but I think it's talented and deep this year. Yeah, again, talented and deep again. I mean, Dustin, who yeah. else they got behind them?
2: So, obviously, you're going to see Thomas Harper. You're going to see four safeties on the field at some point. We saw it last year. So, you're going to see Thomas Harper, I think Shawn Michael Flanagan, Fuller hit on Kendall Daniels, and some guys You know that maybe are going to try to work their way up there at corner and safety. So you've got Kelvion Beeman, you've got Jordan Regan, you've got Ray Gay, Cameron Epps, Cam Smith, and at safety, Ty Williams, Nick Session, Lyric Rawls. We saw Trey Rucker this, this year. And then another special teams all-star, Kanayan Williams. I think somebody from both of these positions transfers. Mm. There's just no way. There's just too many guys. There's too many guys, too many guys coming in especially at the safety spot. If Sterling comes back, I just – there's just too many people and there's too many talented guys. So if I was to pick somebody that I think could maybe crack the depth chart next year, I honestly like who Lunt and I were talking about in the UK on the last podcast, Cameron Epps. Mm. I don't know if it's going to be a cornerback, but I could see him getting on the field as a true freshman. I really like this kid.
0: I I love it. I think they've got so much young talent coming in too. Like a Canine Williams, who has been a great special teams player through his his Oklahoma State career, like not being able to really get on the field consistently defensively. Interesting to look at because there's a little bit of a gap between, you know, the the two deep right now and then the guys that have been around, and then this crop of young talent on the defensive side of the ball who really appears to be uh ahead of the game of where typical recruits are coming in for oklahoma state like i think kendall daniels is going to be a freak we haven't even seen him i think i think cameron epps is going to be a freak i mean uh dylan mckinney as, as long you know gushed about last week like there's some legit dudes coming in so uh i mean great problem to have great problem
1: yeah is safety the deepest position group osu has next season
0: it's got to be up there. I think wide receivers our defensive line. It. If
1: everybody comes uh, back, sorry, yeah. Katie, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, yeah, no, no. People I, hold us to all these takes. Yeah. And who's yeah. in our starting lineups and hold us to it.
0: Well, and remember it, these aren't, these aren't hot takes. These are weird wet and wild takes. So <laughs> just remember that, that
2: piece. I did. I did want to shout out Feldman who sent us a Twitter question asking what are keep?" position needs for next season that gunny will fill in the portal i think we hit on that throughout but i just wanted to shout that out i forgot to shout that out earlier appreciate the question so
0: oh, that's great well guys believe it or not we just broke down the two deep of an entire oklahoma state roster hey tanner brown gonna kick we didn't talk about kicker
2: <laughs> we don't talk about kickers okay that's right Owners. okay that's great that's right
0: uh maybe we can get tanner brown on the pod to uh give his give his opinion on on our stance on that so anyway any final thoughts remaining on the depth chart before we move to break and, and move into uh, basketball? Okay. I think we're good. Uh, before we go, let's hear a word from one of our sponsors. All right, guys, listen up. Our partners assemble who you already know have a brand new offering and we're pumped about it. But before we get to that, here's a quick reminder of what you already know. Symbol is a stock market for sports that allows you to profit off of your sports knowledge. And on Symbol, you can trade sports like stocks. And every time your team wins, you earn cash. Use your sports knowledge on Symbol to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your team wins. Join the over 8,000 early adopters who have started to invest in their favorite teams and visit www.simbull.com to create a free account. And when you deposit, make sure you use our promo code feels 12 for a money back guarantee. Hold on just a second. Money back guarantee. You heard it right. Symbol, our partner is offering a money back guarantee to all of the listeners of this show. That money back guarantee means even if you lose money in the first 90 days, Symbol will refund your initial deposit with no questions asked. I don't know anybody doing something like that right now. So visit www.symbol.com and again, use our promo code feels 12 and your deposit will have a money back guarantee up to 500 bucks. Join Symbol and start investing and profiting from your favorite teams today. All right, before we get into listener questions here, uh, let's talk about our favorite topic of the day. Dustin, you and I have said like at some point, this podcast is gonna take a hard turn in the basketball season. And with the way the season's gone, with COVID issues, I mean, is that gonna happen? Is this gonna be a basketball pod?
2: It's just it's tough right now because there's been so much football and then we've had the string of losses. We have they're now they're not playing another game until January first. That's like against Texas Tech. And now it's just it's just a lot, but Obviously, you and I are watching the games. I missed the game on Saturday. I went back and watched the replay just for you guys. So we could talk about it on here. But we're probably going to go through it pretty quickly.
0: Yeah. I mean, and so we have one game to talk about. That's Houston, correct? I mean, we talked about Cleveland State last week. I I thought Oklahoma State played very well. I thought they were physical. I thought they handled a team that outmatched them in, in size I in, in size, I don't think they outmatched them in speed, but I think size in the interior, Houston absolutely held the advantage. And I thought Oklahoma State did a good job. I mean, uh, Reggie Chaney fouls out in that game. Like, they did enough to bother them. The round orange ball doesn't go in the round orange hoop for the Cowboys right now, and it hasn't all season.
2: Yeah, that's the thing. To, to even be in the game when you shoot three of 19 from three, Against like it's the number 14 team in the country who has a ton of athletes on it. It's, oh, it's just pretty incredible. Yeah. And Houston played a lot of man. They, they switched back and forth from zone to man. Oklahoma state did a good job of switching back and forth. And then, you know, obviously they run their press whenever Houston shoots free throws. So they do a lot of good mixing up. I thought the defense by both sides was pretty good. Oklahoma state obviously gave up a little bit too many points in the paint in the first half, held them to only six in the second half. I think that can be attributed to Caleb Boone only playing three minutes in the first half with those fouls. And then he comes and he plays 12 minutes, 12 solid minutes. They finally start going to him in the post at the end of the second half. But, you know, I think Cade, something that stood out to me on rewatch and obviously I'm not, I I have the benefit of not watching live so I could rewind. (laughs) You have the benefit of that. It's not great. (laughs) Something that stood out to me though, that I couldn't figure out is, when when Shed and Sasser are getting pick and roll, Oklahoma State's going underneath the screens there. And the big lines. the big is almost in drop coverage. And both of these guys shoot over 40% from three. Sasser shoots over 40% on like eight and a half attempts a game. That made no sense to me. I noticed literally that. no sense
0: at all. And, and I, I love basketball. Sometimes those things don't jump out at me like they do in football. That was very clear to me. That it was like, hey, you're going to want to get above the screen and get a hand in his face. I wonder if they were worried about like maybe not being able to stay in front defensively and, and get a guy like Avery Anderson in foul trouble where you had to have him. That would be the only explanation I could think of,
2: to go under a screen against two guards like that. That's a good point. And then without without Cisse in there as a rim protector, you right. probably are worried about the guard penetration from those two guys. Right. So it is a good point. It just it just seemed odd because those guys are just knocking them down. I think I know Sasser didn't shoot a great percentage, I don't think, but I believe they hit a combined six threes. I mean, that's 18 points right there. I mean Houston, and I don't even know if any of them were contested. No, Houston looked like a final four team. Did they not? I mean, they they have some guys
0: and their guard play is fantastic. I mean, it's guard play that we wish we had guard play that, you know, even even a team like KU wishes they may have right now. I mean, I know they got Remy Martin and Christian Brown, but yeah, I mean, I'm jealous of of that roster. They've got something (laughs) cooking there. So, um, yeah, don't go under the screen. I didn't understand that. But like what sticks out to me just to kind of wrap up this game is like, they got it to two points with four and a half minutes left after having scratched and clawed their way all game just to stay afloat. And then they start giving up easy looks to Jamal shed who really took over the game late. And it it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me as, as to how that happened, but like the same guys were on the floor all game. I mean, really like you you've got going down the, the list here. I mean, Rice Thompson played six minutes. Rondell Walker played 11. Woody Newton played five. I mean, Avery was on the floor 32 minutes, likely 33. Bryce Williams, 28. Like, those guys got worn down, and it showed late in that game where Jamal Shedd really took over, um, and I I thought that ended up being the difference, and he was able to make shots when Oklahoma State wasn't. I mean, the thing about it, too, just the prevailing thought, is they're not taking bad shots, and that's what's so perplexing. It's like there's – they're decently good shooters taking decently good shots and none of them go in.
2: Yeah. Keelan, Keelan, Buno for six. In, and three of them wide open. Yeah. yeah that d- great point. Not, not bad shots. I, both teams being in the double bonus with seven minutes left in the mm. second half was absolutely disgusting. But <laughs> Oklahoma State, Bryce Williams is the only one attacking the basket after right. they get in the double bonus. And, you know, his shooting numbers are terrible, but he's still had a pretty good game because he's 12 or 13 from the free throw line.
0: I just want to point something out real quick. Somebody else to...
2: has to attack the basket.
0: Avery, as as dynamic as he is, as as electric as he can be with the ball in his hand, like ha- has turnover issues. Isaac likely not nearly as dynamic. He has a hard time actually even getting past his initial defender and getting into the lane. So really it – In the half court, it can get to four on five at times with with that being considered. So, like, it's it's Bryce Williams because it's like nobody else can do it. Like, Avery might turn the ball over. And so they've got some issues. They've got some issues that they can't fix today, that they can't fix this season. But the ball is going to start falling through the hoop. They are going to win a game in this stretch that they shouldn't. Um, Maybe a game that you and I are at, Dustin. I've got KU on Tuesday night. Uh, circled <laughs> on my calendar, you know I'm gonna be there. We're gonna take that one, and we're gonna take the one against Tech on the road. It's gonna, it's not gonna make any sense. But Big 12 basketball doesn't make any sense. And um, I, I thought, I, I thought there was enough good things that happened over those 40 minutes against a really, really solid team in Houston to give you a little confidence going forward. Like the ball is going to go in at some point.
2: Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Yeah.
0: Let's wrap that up. Basketball, tough right now. I was really excited about that going into the season, but uh, yeah, just tough right now. Well, let's wrap this up with some listener questions. I mean, our, our favorite portion of the pod, uh, Fuller, a participant in this as well. So great to have you. Thank you for sticking around for this. We've never had a guest question answerer. So, again, a, a big shout out to you for that. Um, I've and got one first. here. Yeah. <laughs> well, and here's one uh, from Dr. Whiskey Ben. Ben McLarty, who I think you guys may know. All right, Alex and Dustin, I have a couple (laughs) questions for you as your former management professor. (laughs) I'm curious about your most underrated player on this team. And also who are the most
1: underrated characters on The Office? (laughs)
2: one <laughs> All right.
0: Well, I can't answer this because he asked Dustin and Alex. So <laughs> no, you have to answer too,
2: but no, really appreciate that from Ben. He was an awesome teacher would always incorporate the office into our management class. And it was hilarious and made the class very enjoyable. So really
1: appreciate the question. You want to go first on underrated player and shout out to Ben because it was a night class. And those are normally three hours long. Easy skips. I think he would, I think he would cut it about 215, <laughs> 230. So that was huge. Just 45 minutes, 30 minutes in college felt like eight hours. So amazing class though, too. Learned a lot. Still apply everything I learned today. But the most underrated player from this year's team? Yeah, let's go with this year's team. Oh, man. I think I'm going to go – well, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to go two people. But one is – I guess is it going into the season or is it now at the end of the season? Let's just say let's, – let's make it easy, if you all are cool with this,
2: and just say – My brain's fried. Let's say this season ended already. <laughs> We're not going to do – not counting the Notre Dame bowl game, obviously. Season's ended. Who this season do you think performed the best that nobody's talking about, most underrated player? Oh, god. I, I can go first, yeah, if please. you guys want me to, because oh, I, I have one. I've thought of. We're all like <laughs> I, no, I, I think it's Israel Antwine. Yeah. He's not on any of the teams, he's not on any of the pro football focused teams. And that dude did exactly what his job is every single game, pretty much every play of every single game, he clogged up the middle. And that's what he that's what they wanted him to do. And sometimes he broke through, got to the running back, sometimes he broke through and got to the quarterback. He's literally – if you go back and watch the games and just focus on him, it's fun to watch. It's just really fun to watch. And he's never – he's not usually the guy making the tackle, but he's helping so much as Fuller mentioned earlier. He makes what Devin Harper – and not taking anything away from Devin Harper and Malcolm Rodriguez. They're amazing players. But he made their seasons happen and better with what he could do on the defensive front. I okay, love it. Want me to go, Kade? Yeah, you want go, to go for
1: it, Fuller. Go for it. Okay. I'm going with Jason Taylor the second. And I alluded to this earlier, but I think people forget about Trey Sterling going down and Jason Taylor just mm. filling that void. I think that's huge. And if he doesn't play as good, then there's no way this team is as good and wins 11 games right now. I still think he single-handedly won the Texas game. I think, I think that's just a fact. If he doesn't make that play, I think they lose, and they could lose by maybe double digits. Turning to of the season, potentially.
0: I mean, that was yeah. the whole game for head.
1: Yeah. So as much credit as he got, he probably didn't get enough. And Peel, Harvell Peel, got more accolades. Just end of the season, third team, All-American, and I just think Jason Taylor was so solid and really good, better than anyone expected just because no one had seen that much. And then you have idiots like me who <laughs> think he's slow running in mud and he should move to linebacker. So he's, he's my most underrated and um, guy I think who should get a lot of credit for this year. Well, I'm like going to,
0: I'm going to take Israel Antoine's counterpart. This should be no surprise to you, Dustin. Anybody, I mean, who's listening to the pod, Brendan Evers was awesome this year. Really a, you know, you know, pack his own lunch to, to the office kind of guy. Like, he's <laughs> he's going to do the dirty work. He's getting there early. He's staying late. Like, you know that the middle of the defensive line is going to be taken care of with Antoine and Evers. Batman and Robin, like, they they those two – should be making shirts and, and marketing themselves as that. I love because that. Because no no defensive linemen, no interior defensive linemen are are capitalizing on this NIL stuff. Those two guys, I mean, freaks. I loved what Evers did. So fundamentally sound, so strong, swallowing up offensive linemen to allow Rodriguez and Harper to do what they do best. So no no doubter for me. That that one was was easy.
2: I, I honestly i'm literally thinking while you guys well i'm listening to you guys obviously but (laughs) i'm thinking while you guys are talking i don't know if i who is the most underrated character on the office is anyone underrated Kate, you you answer this one because i think this is your wheelhouse
0: well you guys i i muted my mic because i was i was giggling to myself a little bit you know (laughs) the answer was easy for me it was robert california and and you don't, oh, you don't want me to whoa. get into an office conversation because I'm not going to pick Creed Bratton and no offense. I mean, that's was going to Creed, but I'm going, I'm going a character who didn't, you know, who wasn't on the show for very long. Like it would be really easy to pick Andy, but I'm going to go with Robert California because, because of the one-off quotes that stick in my brain as just as iconic And that was a tough like stretch for the office where they were in between Michael Scott, Will Ferrell, like didn't really know who was on the show anymore. I thought Robert California had some fantastic one-liners, and you should go. I'm not going to repeat them, but uh, you should go re-educate yourself because I like that. I think you're going to get bullied off Twitter for that. (laughs) What's wrong with that?
1: I think there's a lot of people who think Robert California brought down the entire office and crush it into the ground oh not me personally but i think there's a lot of people if you're deactivating twitter the next couple days we know why because it was a lot of hate (laughs) for that take oh well that that hurts
0: number one i'm a huge office fan and i didn't take that question lightly think that one
2: i I, thought about i honestly do, do you have an answer I do have an answer. Uh, okay, if, if we're going to go like random characters, I'm going to go uh, Minor, Idris Elba's character because okay, he's that's one good. of my favorite actors. So, and he's great in The Office. So if we're going to go random underrated, I'm going to go with Elba or Minor.
1: Yeah, I would think if you're going main characters underrated, it's Creed or Kevin Malone. I think Creed's normally the cool guy yeah which take. like he's almost not that's what underrated. i'm saying that's, yeah. Alex, that's yeah. what i'm saying he's not underrated yeah. everybody knows that so i'm not doing that and i'm going this guy because back in my day when i was a disgusting human being and i wasn't mature i think my persona more aligned with todd packer <laughs> which is <laughs> terrible to think about luckily i was saved by my awesome beautiful girlfriend Kathleen so now I'm a perfect angel straight-laced guy and every time I see Todd Packer on the screen I'm just disgusted yeah just can't even look at it but in my younger days I thought he was really really funny and just you know brought a brought a different energy to the office he's he's great I love that
0: I love that and that is a that is a a a pick that really an only true office fan like Dustin you going Charles Minor is fantastic too like I'm proud of us for nobody picking a a common character can I just can I just do us a solid though can I read you one of my favorite one of my favorite quotes from Robert California Aaron asks he, he asks Aaron he says Aaron what'd you do this morning and she says well I woke up and and he cuts her off and he says aaron when you recount your day never say i woke up that's a waste of your time that's how every day has become begun for everyone since the <laughs> dawn of man <laughs> it's the delivery it's the execution and i i love him i'm going to just drop if i get any hate on twitter i'm dropping the i'm dropping clips all weekend long i got time
2: honestly hope you like get that. hate cuz i want to see the yeah, clips i want to yeah. see the fight back the pushback yeah. back from you <laughs>
0: It's almost like, it's like the hate I get for my take on music, you know? You guys know I love Creed. You know I love the 2000s rock. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. You know you love it. I don't
1: hate on you for that. What's going to be odd is when you look back at this Christmas, Christmas 2021 in a couple years, and you didn't spend it with your family because you were on Twitter (laughs) fighting for who? Not your family, but Robert California. Robert California. James
0: Spader, who is spending Christmas with his family. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Oh, this is good Um, okay before we wrap up uh we did have one twitter question i didn't mention it's from our buddy graham at goofy graham on twitter he says does fuller want to fire gundy heading into next season if osu
1: loses to notre dame fuller i don't i'm on team gundy now i think we only criticized him one time this podcast and it was colin oliver playing 21 snaps or whatever it was and the Big 12 Championship game, and I get a lot of hates and jabs from my OU friends about. Yeah, Graham went to OU. If we didn't. The that. hashtag fire gunny because it was 2017 when I thought it was a walk in to the playoff, an absolute walk in. Didn't think there was any way. The Sports Illustrated cover. I mean, I still have that framed. It's not hanging up, but it's, <laughs> it's under my bed <laughs> somewhere that and then 2018 with our favorite corn dog and I got a little sour but you learn more as you get older and I think this whole situation with Jim Knowles being paid what he was paid at Ohio State and we're getting there we're getting there but Gundy's been the mainstay and the catalyst this whole time so no we could lose 50 to zero and I'm bringing him back and he's the he's the head ball coach.
2: I I think if I mean, I don't want to speak for Gundy, but I'm just going to say that he probably appreciates that.
1: He does, because he's you online he and he listens good. to podcasts, Twitter. He's probably going to be excited about your Robert California defense. <laughs> he does seem like a Robert California guy. Hey, I, I mean, I'm I had to move diss. my mic
0: again because I just I kept scrolling and start giggling to myself again. I mean, I don't know what you guys are on, but uh, no, it's great. I mean, do we have any more Twitter questions? That's a good one. Really I think important. we hit on all
2: a couple of people asked multiple questions, but I think we hit everybody okay. that asked at least one. So.
0: Oh man. Well, this was a fun episode. Great way to end it. I love those non-sports related questions. Dustin and I, and Alex, we've got more layers to us. Now the layers are <laughs> only like football yes, and man. the office, but we can talk a lot about those <laughs> two things. So Alex, I mean, it was fantastic to have you on the show, man, please don't be a stranger. Let's do it again sometime. And uh, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, Dustin, any final
2: thoughts before we go? I'm good. Yeah. Thanks to Alex for coming on, for giving us the name, for giving us a lot of, or giving me a lot of ideas for things that we talk about that I then relay to Kate as my own ideas. (laughs) So, uh, but thanks again, Philo. Here to help
1: boys.
0: Yeah. Well, we need it. hundred percent. Good to have you, Alex. You want to plug anything? Want to tell the people where they can follow you on Twitter or not? You're not obligated to do that.
1: No, absolutely not. I want to stay <laughs> in the shadows, but you'll see me pop up here yeah. and there. Sometimes a good take, sometimes a terrible take. He
2: he. Also, he'll come after OU fans or any other any other Big Twelve school fan or any other fan in general that comes at Oklahoma State. Just know that Fuller is here as yeah. our knight in shining armor.
1: Oh yeah, I'm a Bluebird warrior on there. Not <laughs> a blue check mark, but a Bluebird warrior. Just fighting the good battle on Twitter for OSU. Yeah, but no one else wants to do. Well, uh, let me be the first to thank you for your service, Alex. I do, I do
0: appreciate that, gentlemen. It was a pleasure. Really fun episode. Uh, had some technical difficulties along the way. For anybody listening, hopefully none of that comes off in the uh, in recording. Shouldn't so, but just throwing that out there, guys. It was fantastic to catch up with you. You can follow me on Twitter at Cade Webb. Follow Dustin at Dust Dragoo, and follow the podcast at Feels
2: Like Forty Five Pod yeah see you back yeah go ahead i was gonna say kate sorry i didn't mean to cut you off but we'll we'll put out our uh kate nice too deep on twitter i'll put it uh, out later this week yeah
0: it's perfect
2: all right can't wait for it notre dame preview coming up next week
0: we won't talk until christmas so the two of you have a wonderful holiday with your families to all of our listeners hope you do the same say stay stay safe uh enjoy the holiday and we'll see you back here next week with a notre dame preview for the festival go pokes